This morning, I want us, before we come to the Lord's table, to spend just a few moments considering the Lord's Supper, taking an honest look at what it is, what it involves. Most of us are familiar with, to some degree, the account of the Lord's Supper, particularly as it's recorded in Luke chapter 22, where Luke tells us in very clear detail about Jesus sending representatives into the city to make sure that the upper room was prepared and then coming together with his disciples and spending that evening together as they celebrated the Passover feast. But this morning, I want us to look together at the account that was given to us by the Apostle Paul. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul gives us a little different take on the Lord's Supper, but he leads us to the place where we need to make some observations and considerations as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table, and that's what I want us to focus on together this morning in these few brief moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to begin reading at verse 23 and read down through verse 30. And if you have your Bible open there, if you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Follow along with me. Paul writes, beginning in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. Father, this morning I thank you for your holy word, for the reminders that it gives to us, the teachings that it brings to us. Father, I pray that this morning as we consider these words, your words, that it would lead us to pause, to slow down, to truly engage in a time of worship that impacts our hearts, our minds, and our lives. Speak to us. Teach us your truth. Change us into that which brings glory and honor to you. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When we come to participate in the Lord's Supper, we need to slow down. I know how the rhythm of life is. We tend to accelerate. 
We tend to move more quickly. We tend to gain speed this morning. I want to encourage you, slow down. Slow down. Think. Listen. Hear. Feel. Pray. Take this opportunity to let God shine a light into your life. I believe that whenever we look at this passage of Scripture, certainly there are a multitude of things that we could draw upon, but I think that there are at least three serious and reverent looks at our spiritual condition, at our heart situation that we need to consider. This morning, I want us to just draw back long enough to look into those three areas. The first area is found in verses 27 through 30. And by the way, these are not going to be presented to you in the order in which they are in Scripture. I'm not confused. I just think it's appropriate. Because you see, the first look needs to be a look inside ourselves. That needs to be the primary function when we come to this celebration of the Lord's Supper. When we come to the Lord's table, we need to stop and examine our hearts. We need to look within. And that's what Paul writes about in verses 27 through 30. He gives us a very stern warning. And I just want to ask you a question because I found myself as I was preparing for this morning asking myself this question. When's the last time that you slowed down long enough or maybe stopped and truly examined the condition of your heart. When's the last time that you slowed down enough to let God shine a light into your heart and search every corner to reveal anything that should not be there? Certainly, when we prepare to come to the Lord's table, it's a great time to do that. Paul says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man should examine himself. Man, woman, boy, girl, whoever you might be, examine yourself. Is is your relationship with the Lord where it needs to be? Is it what it needs to be? What about your relationship with others? Maybe it's in your household. Maybe, Maybe there's some friction there that needs to be worked out. Or maybe... Maybe it's in the workplace, in a classroom. I don't know where it is. But is your relationship with the Lord and are your relationships with others what they need to be? We need to examine ourselves for purity, for sin, for for deceit. Not to discover if we're worthy to participate. Can I just drop a, a little nugget on you? None of us are. None of us are worthy of coming to the Lord's table and participating. And we would be completely unable if it were not for what he has done in our lives. The only opportunity that we have is through Jesus Christ. Whenever we prepare to come to the Lord's table and we're examining our hearts, the words of the psalmist are always in need of being fulfilled in our lives. In Psalm 139, where the psalmist writes, and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. 
Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. To neglect a self-examination before coming to the table is to invite judgment, my friends. And I, I don't ever want to underemphasize the importance of that message. People say, well, why would you get so serious about this? Because I believe God is serious about it. He takes what his son did and the sacrifice that was made very seriously. And so we should as well. Paul was very stern in his warning, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. In the sense that we are sinners, we're all responsible for that body and blood. But as those who have been atoned for, for those who have been redeemed, that guilt is removed. Unless we bring it upon ourselves again. And apparently that's a problem among believers. Because Paul spoke to these first century Christians in Corinth. And in verse 30 he says, for this reason many of you are weak and sick and a number of you sleep. That's a nice, that's not, he wasn't talking about people sleeping in church by the way. <laughs> that was his nice way of saying some of them even died. God takes this very seriously. And he judges our hearts. So we need to take a look inward. But before we come to this table, we also need to take an honest look backward. And when I say that, I, I simply say we need to always remember why we do this. It's not because it's something we drop on the church calendar. It's not something that we say, oh, we need to do this, so we're going to add this into the church calendar. We're going to add this onto a worship service. Or we're going to... No. Paul wrote in the beginning of the passage that we read, going back to verses 24 and 25, and he tells us what Jesus did. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup in same fashion after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever we come, this is not about filling out a box on a church calendar. This is not about fulfilling some obligation that the church and the pastor feel they have to one another. This is about taking the time to stop. Slow down. And remember what Jesus did. And not just what he did. But why he did it. Just a few moments ago, you stood on your feet and you sang, Oh, how he loves you and me. And indeed, he does. That's why his body was broken. His flesh was torn. That's why his blood was shed. Because he knew, according to the divine economy, that the only way that sin could be washed away, the only way that sin could be forgiven, the only way that sinful people could find forgiveness and cleansing was through the shedding of blood. And so he offered himself as a sacrifice. This perfect man 
who had never committed any sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He took our sin upon himself so that we might wear his righteousness. This morning, and every time that we gather at the Lord's table, is a memorial service. I know people have mixed feelings about memorial services. I've officiated it too many. But let me share something about a memorial service. A memorial service has mixed purposes. It is to help those who sorrow grieve. But it is also to help those who know the truth about eternal life to rejoice. In this memorial service, we grieve over our sin and the price that our Lord had to pay. But we rejoice in the outcome of this transaction. Because out of the price that he paid, our lives were purchased. Our redemption was bought. Our chains were broken and we were set free in Jesus Christ. So as we slow down today in this time of worship, I want you to pause and look back. Remember, we're doing this in remembrance of him. There's one more thing I need to tell you. When we come together like this, slow down long enough, pause. Even put the brakes on and stop and take a look forward. We live in such a confused, desperate world. We're surrounded by people who many times feel helpless in their situations and certainly hopeless. But my friends, there is help on the way. There is hope ahead of us. There's a promise that we need to grab hold of. Because you see, Paul made an amazing statement in the midst of this passage at verse 26. When he said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is not all there is. This is not the end. This is not what we're stuck with. The Lord was very plain in John chapter 14. That same night, he explained to his disciples, he said, look, I'm going to prepare place for you. And if I go and prepare place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. He's coming for us. We don't know when. We can't set the date. Oh, I know people try. And we wish we could. And certainly a lot of us tend to look at one another as, as we pass by certain times at certain events with so much going on in our world and say, surely it has to be soon. It can't be much longer. I mean, how far can this go on? 
Only God knows. But I can say to you this morning, with all of my heart, along with our brother John, who wrote the book of Revelation, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. He's on his way. But here we are in this moment. So let's slow down. Let's stop and think. Let's consider why we're really here this morning. To properly participate in the Lord's Supper, we need to be born-again believers. This table is prepared and set for those who have given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. When I say that, I say, judge yourself. Our deacons are not going to walk down the aisle and withhold from you or tell you, hey, you can't, you can't. No. But you and God need to know. This is prepared for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and are living in a right relationship with Him and with one another. We need to be committed believers who are walking with the Lord and, and are in fellowship with His people. We need to be children of God who have taken an inward look and allowed the Holy Spirit of God to shine a spotlight through our lives revealing what is right and what might be wrong. And if there's something wrong, I encourage you this morning, get it right before we serve from this table. Put on the brakes. Look back. We're doing this in remembrance of Him, so remember Him. Remember His life. Remember His sacrifice. Remember His death. Remember His resurrection and where He is today. And as you do, look forward. Look forward. We do not know when. We do not know how. There will be those who will enter in the presence of the Lord because they have run their race and this life will come to its end. But we also know that there's going to be a day when there's going to be a trumpet blast. There's going to be a shout. It's going to be the voice of the archangel. And the Lord's going to come and claim his own. Paul was very clear about that in 1 Thessalonians 4. In the meantime, we need to pause, slow down, stop, and remember. I want us to bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to, to sing a brief song of invitation, of commitment, of surrender. It may be that in these moments you just simply need to have a conversation with the Lord. Maybe you need to just say, Lord, search my heart. Know me. Perhaps you need to confess something to Him. Perhaps you're sitting here and you're saying, I want a relationship with this one who would make such a sacrifice. Come and tell me, I want that relationship. I'd love to share with you how you can have it this morning. Whatever it is that you need to do, I invite you to do it quickly.
Father, I thank you this morning for your word. A word that challenges, a word that calls, a word that invites. A word that convicts. Father, I pray this morning that as we continue in this time of worship, our hearts would be focused upon you. Our lives would be surrendered to you. That you would have complete control of all that we are. Father, you speak to us in such amazing ways through your word, through the spoken word, through songs. Sometimes simply by a simple touch and pull from your spirit. Father, I pray right now in these moments. Speak. Draw. Accomplish what you desire in each heart and each life before we come to your table. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.